This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Hey, guys. We're not James Comey testifying in front of the U.S. Senate, but we are Top Rope Nation, the best damn pro wrestling podcast on the Internet. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Ryan Drosty, editor-in-chief of Top Rope Press, joined here by Kyle Ross, also of Top Rope Press, and Mr. Justin Joint, my longtime buddy, formerly of Top Rope Press. Maybe we'll get him around to writing a column or two here or there. Um, we got a lot to talk about on the show tonight. We've been absent for well two weeks. We didn't put out a show last week, but we're back this week, starting off the summer. What I thought was a high note with Extreme Rules. Um, it's been a few days since then, but we're gonna give our thoughts on Extreme Rules tonight. We're gonna talk about Bailey and uh, where she goes from here. Um, seems like she's lost some steam since she got to the main roster. We're gonna give our theories on why that might be. Maybe talk a little bit about why 205 Live has gone downhill maybe some old school wrestling. So uh, with that being said, ever uphill. <laughs> well, I think, I think when it started, people are at least interested. Okay. I don't think there's okay. any interest all right. at all okay. now, okay. but yeah, you make a good point. It really didn't have much steam ever. Um, but guys, before we get to that, check us out on iTunes, look us up iTunes, top rope nation, leave us a review. Um, go ahead, leave us a comment why you like the show we need more reviews on there i'm not gonna lie it's been a while since we've had some reviews uh, on our last show i was reading some of them on air and i said we would read them on the air uh i'm gonna up the game a little bit here if you're watching us on youtube right now you can see i am wearing this top rope nation t-shirt which you can get at pro wrestlingtees.com we've got a few people order them if you're watching us on youtube right now you're looking at a picture right now of my father-in-law spotting the sporting the top rope nation t-shirt uh here's what we're gonna do every week every two weeks we're gonna do a contest i'm gonna go on the itunes store i'm gonna look at the reviews for top rope nation and we're gonna pick out the best comment so all you gotta do tweet us at tr nation podcast say hey i left this review so we know who to contact we'll pick out the best review every couple weeks and we'll send you a free t-shirt all you gotta do is leave us a review on iTunes. So check that out, Top Rope Nation on iTunes. All right, so now we got all the uh, technical stuff out of the way, guys. Extreme Rules was on Sunday. I want to get just kind of your general thoughts as we start the show here. Uh, how satisfied were you with the show? If, if you had to give it like an ABC rating, what would you give the show? We're going to start with Justin. Um, I, I said in my review on Top Rope Press, I was probably at a B with the show. Justin, what did you think of Extreme Rules? That sounds about right. A B or a B plus. Um, the main event was fantastic. Uh, the Neville Aries submission match was solid, even though I don't understand why the ref is trying to do countouts in a submission match. But that 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 could be a totally another argument. And uh, I thought the cage match was fun. And the last one third of Ambrose and Miz was pretty fantastic. All right, Kyle, where were you at on Sunday? What'd you think of given expectations going in? I actually didn't like the main event as much as some. I know like Meltzer called it like one of the best WWF matches. The WWE did that before the show too, kept calling it WWF. WWE <laughs> watching too much old stuff on the network. Yes. Um I didn't agree with it being one of the best WWE matches of the year. Um it was good, but it wasn't like great. It's not something I would actively want to go out and like watch again like right away um i, I think as a five-way it, it fell into some of the same tropes that three ways did um I did love roman reigns early 
just stand, letting the other four brawl and him just standing there smiling. I thought that like, was that so was awesome. one of my favorite moments <laughs> ever. Now, that was a top WWE moment of the year. But the card- um, obviously, the big story was Joe winning, which, um, unless if you were following the odds in the days before, probably came across as a surprise. I know we're going to talk about that soon. But yeah, I thought top to bottom, everything was pretty solid. The only thing that sucked was the kendo stick on a pole match. Yeah. That kind of is what prevented me from giving the show. I didn't even consider an A on it. I really liked missing Ambrose. I know some people were bothered by the gimmick of it. I really enjoyed it, actually. I Mm -hmm. I thought they did a good job of getting it in. I thought the Miz really did well. And I even enjoyed the mixed tag, which had more heat than the Cruiserweight title match. (laughs) We're going to get down to that in a little bit here. Yeah, I thought uh, Ambrose and uh, Miz was really good. I think that in my five thoughts column, that was my first point was how much I liked that match. Um, they got some good time. I had a good build to it. Um, I I really liked the main event. I was probably higher on it than you were, Kyle. Um, some of that, though, might have been going in. I'm thinking, like, how are they going to have a five-way match? It seems like it's logistically just a disaster. And what you said about it fell into the same thing like a three-way does, where I'm assuming you're talking about how one person goes outside and they lay on the ground for a long time. Yeah, and they, come back. yeah they, they had a lot of that going on. Well, they um, even had two guys doing something and three guys resting. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. I thought, I, I, I love the match, though, and I agree when it started and the other four guys went after it and Reigns just stood right in the center of the ring and he was, like, stretching and flexing and looking. That was tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely. Great condescending heel move. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is no better heel in the business than Roman Reigns. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I thought it was a good show overall. I, uh, you know, especially for a brand exclusive show, can't really complain. God, we already got a week and a, a week and a half a week from now. We already have another pay per view, so it it ben- benefited from low expectations too. Though I don't think anybody was really expecting much from this show. Yeah, it's true. In the era of, I have no idea what's going on behind this closed door. By the way, my dogs are going insane. Um. But in this era of brand-only pay-per-views on the WWE Network, I mean, you can argue that, you know, all right, having low expectations is maybe a bad thing, but it's a reality. I mean, that there's just so many shows, they all can't be, you know, WrestleMania 17. Yeah. No, it's just not, re- it's just not realistic. Hey, I approach everything in life that way, and I'm a pretty oh. happy person. Oh, wow. Excuse me. <laughs> I think you're a pretty happy person right now, too, Kyle. You're talking about all the ginger ale you have on hand in your house right now. Yeah. M- misheard the old uh, pregnant wife yesterday. Last On the way home, I thought she said, please get me more ginger ale. <laughs> uh, so I did. I went out and got some ginger ale this afternoon. But it turns out she said, I never want any ginger ale again. Oh, my. <laughs> that was, that was, oh, they sound so similar. How could you? That, that was a bad misread by me. So, well, you know, that, a lot of JMOs and gingers for me now. Hey. I'm trying to remember if my wife had any weird cravings when she was pregnant. I can't. Justin, have you had any of this? You guys both have babies on the way right now. So, by the way, there's two top rope nation babies coming mm-hmm. in the coming months here. Justin, you ha- have you had to run out for your wife and get her anything crazy? Uh, not yet. She's been running out for herself, but just uh, fruit. Fruit that she doesn't normally eat, like pears and uh, watermelons. Mm-hmm. So, ho- hopefully that means uh, I got a health nut on my hands. <laughs> yeah. Could be. I don't. I don't know if that's a clue on the uh, gender of the child or not. I have to look that up again. Hmm. But uh, my prediction is you're both going to have girls. Actually, Kyle, you already know you're yeah, going to have girls. Yeah, so you're half right. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'm not as smart as I thought I was. I don't get to find out. <laughs> oh, you're, you're not, not going to find out at all? Nope. Oh, that would bother me. Yeah, the, I couldn't do the, it. The, I the legit boss me. says no, so I don't get to find out. Oh. I'm too much of a planner. Like I, I couldn't do that. I want to have the room ready and have clothes on hand. And I guess you can get gender neutral stuff, but it's kind of hard. I just didn't want to shout "fuck" when it was a girl. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a future uh, Bailey Bailey fan on hand there, Kyle. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, let's let's go right go. into that. I'll go with it. Let's go right into that conversation. Actually, well, we're gonna do this later on the show. We're gonna go into okay. Um, unless you got something else you want to hit first. Well, I, I thought I, I had I had written down a lot of notes for Joe, but we can do Bailey first. We can circle back around. Okay, yeah. let's let's talk about since we're talking about g- little girls that like Bailey we're improvising in the ring here, folks. <laughs> What's the problem with Bailey on the main roster? So, Abby Arthur wrote a, a pretty good column on this this week on Top Rope Press. Did a lot of reads. 
Um, and she yeah. talked about how poorly Bailey's been booked, which is true. And uh, she was kind of trying to diagnose the problem and maybe uh, recommend where they could go from here. She had the idea of sending her back to NXT to like regroup. She had the idea of turning her heel, uh, giving her a makeover and a whole different look, just that her look just doesn't work on the main roster. And I don't know if I said this on the show when we first started like last year, but I was always skeptical that Bailey, as she was in NXT would work on the main roster. Um, so I know Kyle, you've, you've got some thoughts on this. What, what do you think's a problem? Is there a problem? I mean, I'll agree that she has certainly not been booked to the best, you know, she, she, the, the booking could have been better. I mean, even like in, up to and including how she won the title and when she won the title. But he, the issue, like, I, I think people are missing two key points. One is we were all so convinced, oh, this Bailey's a home run on the main roster. And you just hit the nail on the head. This was one of my big points. Was that right? I mean, just because we all thought that, or most people thought that doesn't make it true. Um, I think I've referenced this before on the show. As a matter of fact, I know I have. You know, it was Jim Cornette had an old saying uh, years ago, oh, if it works in front of 2,000 people, it'll work in front of 20,000 people. Well, sometime, I don't know when, but in the last like five to 10 years, I'm not sure if that's true anymore. What do you get? That's kind of like what you were saying. Like, okay, you can see something that works well at full sale. It works well at NXT. But you're like, eh, maybe this isn't going to work on the main roster. I mean, there's a lot of independent guys I see who are great talents. And I, and I can watch them in that environment and enjoy them thoroughly. And enjoy them thoroughly. But I'm like, you know, I, this would not get over on the WWE, in the WWE. Yeah, I think... I mean, what do you I guys think, think of a, that? I think there's a lot of hyperbole with Bailey where people are like assumed that she was going to be the John Cena of the women. I think that's a huge overstatement. I don't think that was ever guaranteed. Um, I mean, you just can't say that. I mean, if you look at things that become big these days, a lot of it happens out of accident, you know? Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, there's a lot of accidental things. I think part of Bailey's success in NXT is is just the proximity and the closeness of that arena um, where the girls, like the young girls that come to those tapings, they felt like they have a personal relationship with her. And some did, um, you know, some meter going into the building there at the college. It's not a very big college. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to sell that in front of 15, 20,000 people. Um, if you, if you don't feel that personal connection to the character, like they did down in NXT, um, that that's, that's struggle. Number one, struggle. Number two is that, a huge percentage of the WWE audience does not watch NXT. We've talked about that before, but if you think about how many people watch WWE versus worldwide versus how many people have the network, it's pretty minuscule. So to assume that like everyone's going to go crazy over this character when she gets in front of several more million people, is it's uh, you can't assume that, like Kyle said. I, yeah. I can see the small venue argument to an extent, but I think it had more to do with Bailey was successful in NXT because there was a slow build involved of her coming from nothing to actually becoming champion in one of the greatest women's matches of all time. And in WWE, she became a champion in less than a year. I mean, the, like her whole story should be coming up from month and now she's at the top and kind of loses interest. Okay, so I, I, that's it. what you both said is really interesting because when we look at how she's been booked and the fact that not everyone who watches Raw and SmackDown watches NXT, there's an argument that I've heard from people I know that, oh, they should have just recreated the entire, um, what they did in NXT. They should just redo it, essentially, at the main roster level. Do we agree with that? Because I could make the argument that while, okay, it's a smaller percentage of the audience that watches NXT, don't you then insult those people if you're just redoing the whole thing? Like, you can't just basically um, ignore what happened in NXT and then just redo it at the main roster, can you? No, I think I think you got to, you could you have the same general theme to it, but you'd have to rewrite it completely and entirely. Mm -hmm. Give it some kind of new wrinkle. Yes. Um, I do think that was part of the problem, though, is they kind of 
brought her in assuming everyone knew the Bailey story and everything that happened, like Justin mentioned, how she slowly worked her way up to being champion. And none of that was explained very well. I mean, this has been the problem with a lot of the NXT call-ups that yes. they've had is that they're not introduced well at all. And they, they just assume everyone knows who they are when they don't. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think you have to reset. I, I was thinking in my head, where does bailey rank right now on the main roster kyle you said is there a problem i mean i couldn't put her if you look at raw and smackdown she's certainly no higher than fifth like if you were to do a power ranking because i think alexa bliss sasha banks charlotte naomi right away are upper naomi with you even though i mean naomi's doing well i'd argue long term though i don't know yeah well she's doing well right now she gets great reactions from the crowd Mm -hmm. um i don't think i think bailey is is below Naomi right now. Okay. And here's my point. Is that a problem? I think it is. In the sense that, and this is where you're going to agree with me, I think, because I'll give credit to you because you were one of the first on this bandwagon. Okay. You know, I said maybe we were all wrong about Bailey being this home run, being the female John Cena. Would you guys disagree with me that Alexa Bliss as a heel is just better than Bailey as a face right now? Oh, you got to go with it, right? So, like, to me, that's why I'm saying, is there a problem with Bailey? I don't know that there is. I just think that there's, in in the case of her losing to Alexa Bliss, and yes, I don't think this program was done particularly well, but, you know, is Bailey losing this feud really a problem? I mean, or is WWE just going with the better performer? I mean, remember what I just said, people kind of accidentally um, rising up. Alexa Bliss was never intended to be this big a star, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But she got an opportunity, and she's ran with it, and she's just better than Bailey right now on the main roster. I think she's she's for sure better, no doubt about it. Um, I think what people mean by the problem with Bailey isn't that she's losing these matches. It's just that like she doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, I think... Something with Alexa, and like you said, we were kind of on board. Now everyone's fawning over Alexa Bliss. But if you go back in our archives, you go back. Oh, to now like, you don't like her anymore. No, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no uh, I, I love, I love everything about that character. But if you go back and you listen to our shows in like October, what I was going to say is we were fawn- fawning all over Alexa Bliss before the rest of the internet was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was saying then she was the best talker. On the you, roster, you were, yeah. You, I, I remember I was questioning you were like, Oh, Alexa's number one female performer in this company. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. That yeah, I thought you were maybe putting the cart before the horse, but no, you were you were right. One of a few times, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I'll take credit though. I, I was, I was on that bandwagon early. I, I will say, and I'm sure Justin and Ryan, you both heard this. There is a problem in the sense that Bailey, to quote Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 13, you've heard the booze, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that, that's a problem which she's kind of not been portrayed as a lovable character. I think she's kind of been portrayed a bit as a loser and not of matches, but just like not very likable. You know, it's kind of like, uh, this is like, you know, it's like, and to be honest, if I'm somebody who hadn't watched NXT, I don't know if you guys get this impression. I'm kind of like, eh, this isn't that great. Yeah, I just I don't think they've gotten her like they haven't gotten her likability over. I think it's like I, I don't think you need to make any major changes at all. I just think you need to convey her likability because it's there. It may not be the home run that we all thought it would be, but it's a likable character, I think. Yeah. What do you what do you think about how now I think it was pretty obvious this past week. So it seemed like Alexa Bliss was getting more cheers than Bailey as the heel. Uh, do you think that that is going to like steamroll and like in the not too distant future, more people are going to be cheering Alexa Bliss, even though she's supposed to be a heel. Is it just out of respect for how good she is? That's yes. why she's getting all these cheers. Yes. That, that, I, I don't know when that, that's another trend that started sometime over the last 10 years. W in it, and it's speaks to kind of maybe, you know, this was more so in the past than now, but how bad WWE booking was sometimes in the sense that there are people, you know, you saw it with Strowman. People just like to cheer people now who are booked well. Yeah. You know, they just like the way they're booked. That's the whole problem with Roman Reigns. It's not that he's a bad wrestler. They just don't like the way he's booked. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it'll be interesting to watch. And Alexa but... Bliss has been booked very well. Yeah. 
most definitely. So we'll see. We'll see if they shift gears on Bailey. I like Kyle. Kyle, you say you know they don't really need to shift too much. They just got to give the fans a reason to care and a mm-hmm. reason to get behind her. And yeah, I think that's the problem. They haven't given you a reason to care. They assume you know. I think the long-awaited Sasha heel turn. I think if they could convey the friendship those two had and then have Sasha turn on her, I think that would be a step in the right direction. Yes. I think that'll be the catalyst. Actually. I think that's, that's a really good point. I think uh, you build up that feud. That'll give people a reason to cheer Bailey. Mm -hmm. Sasha will go over strong as a heel and uh, that could, yeah, that could be the catalyst to get people behind Bailey again. Although I think they need to do Alicia and Sasha once. Or Alexa, pardon me, Alexa and Sasha. Mm-hmm. Before she goes heel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Justin, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say Bailey. Bailey's character just needs more character. I mean, right now all she is is aw shucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, stand up for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> My God, she's such a geek. She can't even use a kendo stick. Yeah. <laughs> that that's pretty bad. <laughs> that storyline was not conveyed properly. I will, you know. Dave Meltzer's been a little getting a little senile sometimes in some of his analysis, I think, but he was right about that. They did not convey that well with the it just looked like she had it stolen from her because I'd actually read it because I was watching the Cavs game that night. So don't get me started on that. But so I had read his review already going in and was, you know, kind of influenced by it. And I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, he was he's kind of right here. It's like they were trying to say, oh, she's afraid to get extreme, but it just looked like she was like holding it and never used it yeah and that might be on her as the performer i don't know what was told to her i wasn't mm-hmm. backstage true yeah. it just it, it does make her character look dumb because even yes. at the start of the match alexa's like go ahead get it and bailey's like okay and then alexa goes and attacks her from behind <laughs> and we can all agree the worst thing you can do and this this goes throughout the history of wrestling is make a baby face look dumb if you want to make ensure a baby face isn't going to get cheered you make them look dumb yeah I think that's the problem right there. She's yeah, I, I think that, yeah, it's dumb and just not likable enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's circle back to Samoa Joe because I know you had some thoughts on this, Kyle. Um, so like you said, the odds heading in, most of the days before Extreme Rules, Joe was heavily favored to win. And then like I think the morning of the show, uh, Rollins was briefly favored, and then it swung back to Joe, pretty heavily favored. Mm-hmm. Um I think, uh, so we didn't do a preview show, but I think we had talked about it the week before um, that Joe probably made the best sense for a one-off match. Knowing that this is just a bridge to get to SummerSlam, I'm sure you guys probably didn't have any problems with the finish of this match. I know Justin really didn't want Balor to win. (laughs) Probably didn't want to see Balor just get crushed and move on to something else. True, although I didn't expect him to vanish completely. (laughs) That's another issue we got to get into tonight. Uh, So, yeah, Kyle, what were your thoughts on this? We're going to talk about this before we got into the Bailey discussion. Okay, so the decision to have Joe win this, do we think this was last, not last second, but it was made late in the build? Like, when this Fatal Five-Way was announced, do we think that Samoa Joe was the person they tabbed as the winner from the start? I'm not convinced of that. I kind of think so because of the way they have slowly tried to turn Brock Lesnar into a baby face. I was curious as to what the whole thing with Finn Balor was with Paul Heyman, with Paul Heyman building him up like, you know, you're great and all that. It's like, wow, that's kind of a face thing to build up another face. And in it seems to me that it was to make him good so that they could throw the monster heel Samoa Joe at him. Because obviously to me, it doesn't seem like they really had any intentions of actually putting Finn over, which a lot of us assumed at that time. Yeah, I was going to say the only other person it seemed like they might have been going with was Balor. But at the same time, are they usually that obvious about it? I mean, like a few weeks before the show, it seemed like, oh, they're really going with Balor. But if that was really the plan, I don't think they would be giving that away weeks beforehand. See, well, we talked about that. That was the top. Did they telegraph Balor? Remember, because mm-hmm. it was the Heyman promo that Justin just referenced, yeah. and they had the 24-7 special as well. And, you know, with him, it made sense in the fact that, okay, this is the universal champion who never lost the title, had to give it up to injury. Um, I will say, and I think, you know, I know Justin's on board with this, that 
for a one-off challenger, Joe, still relatively new to the main roster, is probably better than just beating Balor. And then what do you do with Balor? And we'll get into Balor later, I know. But I'm still not... While it makes sense, I don't know if this was the plan all along. It, I felt with because Heyman, if and, and again, this we're maybe jumping ahead of ourselves, touching on Balor. Heyman doubled down on what you just talked about, Justin. That promo on Monday, he re-referenced the whole thing with Balor. They're going to that, and the whole thing with Lesnar is he a face or heel? Um, you know, it, it's weird to me. Okay, they're obviously going with him as a baby face, a de facto baby face, but you know, last time we saw him, he was a heel working Goldberg. And I guess that with Lesnar, the way his character is going to be from here on out is, well, it just depends who he's working against. He's going to play both sides of the fence. Which mm-hmm. is, that's what it ulti- ultimately comes down to is that he's not really a, a heel or a face. He's just Brock Lesnar. And so for in this one instance against Samoa Joe, they kind of worked him more towards a baby face angle. Yeah, and it was a great angle. But if he works pallor, and he's still supposed to at some point. They should do that match, seeing as Balor was never beaten for the title. Um, Lesnar's the heel in that scenario. Yeah. They, I mean, he would have to be a true heel. And that, I mean, that's the only way to do Balor versus Lesnar's the ultimate underdog storyline. And, you know, Balor probably goes Demon King for the match. But, it, uh, and that's why I think Samoa Joe is just the right choice on so many levels. Cause as long as it isn't just a suplex city match, this is going to make Joe look good, even if he has to eat the loss. And especially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, which he is. But that segment on Raw with Joe and Paul Heyman was amazing. It, with him backing him in the corner and not even like off camera, off mic, whispering as to what he was going to do to him. Paul Heyman's been threatened so many times with Brock Lesnar not being there. And for Joe to be the one who finally takes action and takes him down, it, it was amazing. I, I can't say enough about it. I think you could go both ways with Joe being the right choice because, like we said, it, it makes the most sense as a one-off. But at the same time, like like Justin just said, that was such a good uh, segment on Monday. And then... What if this gets over better than they think it's going? Yeah, that's where I'm going because Joe yeah. and Lesnar just... Uh, you know, these two bigger guys, this is, this is a match people have been talking about actually for a long time. When Joe was down in NXT, people were talking about, he would be the perfect guy when he comes to the main roster to go against Brock. So for him to have this match, you know, on kind of a, a B show, by the way, what, what show was that? This is happening. Great, at? Ball. Great balls of fire. And they actually got the Jerry Lee Lewis song. Oh my God. I was so excited. Did you guys hear how that came about? No. Yeah, so where did I read this? Um, suppose, oh, Jerry Lawler talked about it on a podcast this week uh, where he knows like Jerry Lee Lewis is a lawyer or something and Jerry Lee's lawyer, yeah, Jerry Lee's lawyer like contacts uh, Lawler and says, how do we get a hold of the right people at WWE because we heard, you know, they're using this phrase for a pay-per-view and Jerry Lee Lewis actually has the term Great Balls of Fire copyrighted. And so then Jerry Lee Lewis calls WWE and somehow they work out an agreement for them to continue using it. And I'm guessing that's how the song came about that they're actually using the real song. Please tell me Vince McMahon did not know the song existed. Oh, he had to. <laughs> he is the right age. He has to know that one. You're right. Because like, isn't the old story that Vince's pop culture references sort of just like die in the late 1970s? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Have yeah, you but, seen, have you guys seen the logo of the show? Yeah, it looks yeah. rather phallic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? So I do kind of like the argument that maybe if you called this pay-per-view Lesnar versus Joe, it would make the match sound real special. But I'll tell you what, Great Balls of Fire is a name. You could make the argument it's kind of silly, but at least like you know, you remember it. It's not like payback and backlash where you get them confused the whole time. Oh, wait, which one was you know, you call backlash, payback, and vice versa. Yeah, hey, it's memorable. I mean, yeah. that's what you want. You want to stick in their heads. So yeah, I mean, you shouldn't call like. I mean, you shouldn't start making up stupid names. Just they're memorable, but you know, Great. yeah. Hey, and, real quick, and, and every uh, every health class in the country is going to be able to use that poster in their STD units from here on out. I think I tweeted something similar to that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, let, to go back to the whole uh, Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar 
kind of a dream match for a lot of people as the it's if it works out well if they get good numbers they'll continue it i think they're gonna have to circle back around to it. i think it is gonna be really good and uh i think the fans are into it and the performers are so good with well especially Heyman on the mic with uh with joe like we said uh so yeah i think i think it'll come back around to it eventually whether it's at SummerSlam or down the line but um as a one-off maybe you know rollins if you if he would just wanted a one-off match that wouldn't be that memorable rollins maybe would have been the better choice because i don't know i don't know if it would have had as much hype as this match is going to have yeah i don't know because and the problem there too is you have the backstory of when rollins uh cashed in the briefcase at wrestlemania yeah. And that's not kind of a storyline they want to convey now with Rollins as the baby face. I don't think mm-hmm. that that's a, you, you're right. Like if you just wanted to have Brock Lesnar, just get a whole hum win Rollins is probably the answer, but you, you do want some interest. And, and this has interest. And if it is good, who knows you can change. I mean, just because, you know, Meltzer's still saying that Strowman's the guy at SummerSlam doesn't necessarily make it. So um, yeah. this match, Justin talked about this, about, you know, maybe doing a little bit of a different style Lesnar match here. This should be a sprint. This match. This should be. A, this should not be a long match. This I, should. Be, I, yeah, it this should be like be, the Goldberg match. Yeah, that and uh, the Roman Reigns Lesnar match from WrestleMania, where they were just going at each other right from the bat. Yes. Yeah, it should be work stiff, which I think Joe would be fine with. Yeah. So, it should just be all power moves, no resting, and you know, tell the story in, you know, ten minutes rather than twenty. You can do that. Yeah. You know, this idea that, oh, you got to go 20 or it's not a good match is, is, is so for the birds, man. Yeah. As long as it's somewhat equal. I mean, Joe's got to have some time to put in his oh, offense. Yes, that, yeah, yeah. You don't want him just to get out there and get crushed. Yeah. If, if he gets like just squashed in seven minutes, that's terrible. But what do you guys think about now that uh, Jimmy Cornette is in WWE's good graces again? What would you think about him being put with Samoa Joe opposite Heyman in the build of this? Not that that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Zero chance it's going to happen. But, but that would be pretty great. It would be pretty. I think it'd be pretty entertaining. I know Cornette's calling out Vince Russo. I don't know if you saw it, like right before we went online. He, he cut, I have not had a chance to watch it. I saw it like right before he we went live. The, the item came about that he uh, he's challenging Vince Russo to a fight. God bless him. <laughs> well, Vince Russo is a moron. So yes, I, would I, say I cannot believe there's wrestling websites today that still give this guy a platform. Like, yeah. who the hell cares what Vince Russo thinks in 2017? Bottom three on wrestling Twitter: Vince Russo, your boy, the big guy Ryback, <laughs> and Matt Stryker. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to go with Ra- our friend Randy Orton. No, he doesn't tweet enough. Yeah. Striker Striker has some bad political takes. By the way, do you know who's number one? Perhaps Dave Batista. Oh, I, yeah, I love Dave Batista. Did, did you guys see his uh, his uh, take on the LBGT uh, community? His uh, I did not. I did not know that about him. Oh yeah, Dave's the best. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dave. So he said, as the proud son of a lesbian, anyone who's against the LBGT community can suck my balls. Yeah, I did not know he was a son of a lesbian. I, did, I didn't. Did you know that? No, yeah. I didn't. I, his mom was on the document. Did you guys ever watch? They they did a DVD for him at his height when he was like the champion, like the I don't first. Think I ever saw it. I might have to go okay. back and watch and it his now. Mom was featured in it quite a bit, and I don't think that was mentioned at the time on the DVD. I could be wrong. Now, I heard about it when uh, somebody asked him about his thoughts about our orange president, and uh, he, he brought up the fact that she was a lesbian at that point and that he would no. not be supporting him. <laughs> well, I, I really hope Dave Batista gets another run. I know he's supposedly he's been pitching a return. I don't know where I read that, but I, they I never heard did that he, him and Lesnar. That's yeah. a dream match for Lesnar. They yeah. never that, that, that had never happened. So, Joe, yeah. well, one more thing with Joe, and then we can drop this point. I had this done. They should do like sparring sessions to build him up on TV. Not obviously not next week when Lesnar's going to be there, but on the weeks that Lesnar's not, I think there's one week that Lesnar's not going to be there. They should do a segment where like Joe in prep to get prepared for Lesnar. He brings it like they just bring in like, you know, the proverbial local talent jobbers and like he gets over all of his hot moves and doesn't sell. There's a lot of guys who could benefit by that. AJ, I was watching AJ against Dolph on SmackDown. Thought the same thing. I would love to see AJ 
in a squash match where he doesn't have to sell. Nakamura, certainly another one. I'm pro yeah. squash. That took me somewhere because uh, when you said like showing him sparring, like that took me to like they both have an MMA background. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get your guys' opinion on this real quick because I do want to get to the other stuff that we need to talk about. At the end of the Extreme Rules match, when Joe chokes out Finn Balor, I prefer it. But are you guys okay with the dismissal of the the three time arm check on somebody who's passed out? They did just do one, didn't they? Yeah. I, can mention it. I, I, I did think I was a little odd that they didn't do it three times. I like it. I prefer it. But uh, I, I and I I thought they'd been doing it for a while now. Well, if you think about it, uh, logically, three times is a little strange. Like one it's time should much. be enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> one time should be enough. Well, it used to always be psychology wise and you'd see it a lot in like Hogan matches and he was the master. Like he would drop twice and then he would, you know, do the big comeback on the third time. But they always used to do it like back then because the tap out, when did they start doing tap outs? Because that was a thing. The tap out kind of replaced yeah. the arm dropping three times. Was, and that was, was around like 98 ish, 98, yeah. 99. Yeah. Yeah. The tapping out replaced that so yeah i don't know yeah it was i guess i'm indifferent to that um all right one last thing before we move on uh from extreme rules and i guess this kind of flows into raw too uh cesaro and sheamus so talk about the betting odds being wrong uh i believe so no they were wrong kyle but they were favored and then right before the show, I think the Hardys went up and then they were favored. Oh, did they? I don't I wouldn't know about that. I know they were big favorites. I so I was expecting them to win. Yeah, they were I favored. Might, like I, said, I was watching I think, the Cavs game, so I might have missed that. I think the last the afternoon of the show, I'm pretty sure the last odds that came out, and when you guys are talking, I'll, I'll look this up. But I think I think the Hardys all of a sudden were like negative twenty thousand to oh, win. Wow. Like a huge yeah, huge favorites. So I guess uh, I had wished I put in a late bet on this one. But uh, yeah, Cesaro and Sheamus win win the titles. And uh, Justin was tweeting Monday night on our uh, official Twitter account, at TR Nation Podcast. And uh, this was about Cesaro and Sheamus, right? Justin, where you guys were going to talk about this point? No, no. He actually tweeted about Gallows and Anderson. And oh, yeah. That's I right. wanted to put a big bow on this discussion. I thought okay. it was, it was, it was you a you take it, Kyle. I actually had privately that I want to actually pull back the curtain and revisit here on the airwaves. Go ahead. You take it from here. Okay. So Cesar and Sh- I, I, do we all agree that to justify the heel turn that they probably should have won because, you know, they weren't going anywhere as baby faces. You turn them. They probably got to win this because if they had lost on Sunday, what the hell do you do with them then? Right. Or yeah, agree. Or, agree. Is there any yeah. disagreement there? Nope. Agree. Okay. So Justin, just, you and I had a unique discussion few weeks ago off air where you were like hey do you have you asked me do you have any favorite wrestlers and i was like not really and you were like kind of wowed by that i feel because because both me and ryan have wrestlers that we root for as marks okay okay yeah okay so a perfect example of this is so i saw you were you were, you were tweeting and there is no denying, much like Bailey, to bring this back full circle, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson have certainly, over the last year, not been used to the best of their abilities. I think most people would agree with that, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, if, if it was me, I would have had to come in real strong. I would have had him beat the New Day pretty quickly to win the titles, but WWE wanted to give New Day the record reign. That didn't happen. It's water under the bridge. So here's... This struck me that because I, I've been thinking about that conversation we had about me having no favorite wrestlers. I just I just want good wrestling. I don't care who gives it to me as long as someone gives it to me. And that got me thinking, Justin, about Sheamus and Cesaro, and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And because I didn't like, I saw your tweet and like you were like, oh, barf! How they got uh, they got squashed essentially by Enzo and Big Show on Raw is what happened. If people missed that, and I didn't really care at all about that certainly not as much as is is, seemed you did and i was thinking don't seamus and cesaro basically just give you what you want out of anderson and gallows anyway 
And that's kind of my point about why I don't have a favorite wrestler. It's like, okay, it sucks if you're Gals and Anderson, but what I want them to be, I'm just getting it from Cesaro and Sheamus. I can see your point. The problem is is Gallows and Anderson's connection to Bullet Club slash Balor Club. And that's why we want them to succeed and to be a strong tag team. To I will I will answer your or I will answer you with a question. Why? <laughs> because I am a Finn Balor mark. <laughs> okay. okay, so that's my point. So people are like real upset. So th- this is like a thing, and you know we were talking about this a bit off air about our criticism. We, we were kind of criticizing some modern WWE fans about how they just they'll just criticize anything. It seems you know like Extreme Rules, Ryan. I think you said in our poll like twenty percent of the people gave the show are D or an F. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That, that's just so ridiculous. If you would give that show a DR, if you just don't know really what you're talking about, I'll just come out and say that. No offense if you're listening right now. No, take offense. You're morons. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, offense. That's a bad grade. But so, but please keep coming back to top row press. <laughs> yeah, please. Sorry. Um, no, but here's my thing. It's like, okay, yeah, it sucks that it, like maybe you like Anderson Gallows, and, and now I'm, I'm going to hit you hard here. But like, you're basically what you want them to be. That's what Seamus and Cesaro are. And I'm just going to say something right now that's not going to make New J- Johnny New Japan happy. Oh God! I think Seamus and Cesaro are just a better tag team than Luke Anderson, uh, Luke Gals and Carl Anderson. Seamus <sighs> is a better working big man, and Cesaro's better than Carl Anderson. I I agree with you. Oh, <laughs> but 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 going. But I'm a Mark. I love Cesaro. Okay. More than I love either one of Gallows okay. or Anderson. So would you then agree then? I think you will agree then that WWE is not necessarily doing anything wrong here. It just kind of like sucks for you as an individual fan. But it's not like WWE is at fault here. Because if you want kind of a power heel tag team, well, you fucking got it. <laughs> it's Can't just not what you guys want. Yeah, exactly. We have, we have two brands now, though. I mean, they, they still could have made Gallows and Anderson work in a much better way than they are right oh, now. Instead not, of instead of to losing to Tiny Enzo and Ancient Big Show. Yeah. Oh, no. Now all of a sudden yeah. you're big on size, huh? <laughs> well, WWE, WWE, Vince McMahon at the bottom left there or what? They, they, are, they are to blame here, though, right? I mean, they've, they've booked Anderson and Gallows terribly ever since they came in. Oh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not disputing that, but I'm saying, like, is it is it a hill worth dying on? If you're well, like, is it like this thing to like be all up in arms about? Really, I think at this point it's so late in the game with how bad they've blown that tag team that it's it's probably not something to get too upset about. Um, but I think like, if you look at it, problem like I don't think like th- there are look. There's absolutely things wrong with WWE. There's no disputing that. Okay, there's things that they don't do right. There's things that they do right and don't get credit for. But to me, I don't think. Um, you can say that WWE would be demonstrably better if Anderson and Gallows were in Cesaro and Sheamus' spot right now. I don't think it would make a hill of beans, man. I, th- I think I think they could make more money if uh, Anderson and Gallows were over. Oh, you... Oh, I do. Okay, but if you have to push one or the other, does it matter? Like, it's the old argument people always bitched about Triple H back in the day. Oh, they should have done this. You know, it should have been like Jericho should have got that shot. Angle should have got that shot. I'm going back to the very early 2000s here. And I'm like, okay, you can make that argument. But I'm telling you right now, neither of those guys would have gotten any more over than Triple H did. Yeah. I think, I'm going to be contrarian here. Uh, I think the ceiling is higher on Anderson and Gallows for one reason. And that's because of the Finn Balor connection. I think there's a lot of money to be made with I think Anderson Gallows. Yeah, with Anderson Gallows over strong with Finn Balor. If you think back a year ago, all the talk about the Balor Club and if they were going to recreate the Bullet Club in WWE, that was huge. Like people were really into that online and um, in the crowds even. I think I think there's more money to be made on that side than Cesaro and Sheamus. That's that's where I'll go. I don't know that that's ever going to happen, but I think sales of bullet club t-shirts when they were all in new japan would show you that they they really could make a lot of money off of that and, and actually this goes to kyle's point is uh they don't need to do that anytime soon like as soon as they associate finn 
with those guys, boom, t-shirt sales are going to go up just because of the association and the fact that they got squashed by uh, Enzo and Big Slow. It won't matter. I would agree with that. And to me, this is all due respect, but I think they're a very talented tag team. I, I see them, and I certainly see WWE seeing them in that scenario, kind of being Finn Balor's muscle, not, you know, the Hall and Nash to Finn Balor's Hollywood Hogan, which is an unfair comparison, but just one I'll make that because everyone will understand it. Well, here's here's something I'll say, and this will transition us uh, into our next topic. So if they no, associated those two, the next one. if they associated them with Finn Balor, uh, is it automatic that they would be over just because of the association? Because we we're talking about this off air, and this is another problem. What's 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 going on with Finn Balor? He wasn't on Raw. They have seemingly no direction for him right now after Extreme Rules. So can we even say that it's guaranteed that if you put these two with Balor, it's it's a home run at this stage? It may, it would have been a year ago probably, but right now I'm not I'm not so sure. Kyle, you're just chomping at the bit. I can tell. Like Bailey, is this a problem or is this something we're just wanting to complain about? I, he, the guy missed a week of television. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather him be off air than be put on TV with no direction. I'll say that. Yeah, but like he's in Japan and this could be, you know, Austin Aries. We're, we're going to talk about the cruiserweights in a little bit is injured and he's taking some time off now. You know, I, I think those two situations, Balor being off TV this week um, and being in Japan, and then Aries losing on Sunday and now taking some time off injury. It's a chicken and the egg argument, which came first, you know, like was, did Balor just like, if Balor requested this time off and he took, and he's, he's off the house shows this weekend too, to go to Japan, how can he blame the WWE? <laughs> like for having no direction for him. If the guy wanted to go on a freaking vacation halfway across the world. Yeah. And he's hanging out with Kazuchika Okada. You see yeah, the pictures I mean, on Instagram? That's not him. Not and, and for the record, I think they have a direction for this guy. He's been booked well since his return. I mean, okay, he took the fall on Sunday, but I think some of that was maybe they knew he wasn't going to be on TV Monday. Um, And they had Wyatt losing on Monday, and they had Rollins losing on Monday. Um, So, you know, they're like, all right, well, this guy can lose here. I just think that... I, they had the 24-7 about him, which was great. The Heyman, Heyman doubled down on putting him over this week. They've got plans for Finn Balor. And again, let's say they don't do Joe at SummerSlam. And let's say Strowman's not ready. Because again, we don't know that that's the case, that they're really doing Strowman at SummerSlam against Lesnar. Isn't there a storyline for Finn Balor, second year in a row, to go into Barclays, looking to win you know, back the title that he never lost? Isn't yeah. that story there? Yeah, of course. That's definitely there for a fallback. I think I that think sells regardless. There's no reason to be upset about Finn Balor right now. The guy went on a vacation. Yeah. Uh, my opinion on this, copy and paste what Kyle just said. <laughs> I, I agree. You, he's <laughs> off TV for one week. Let's let's take a chill pill. Yeah, I, just, I just don't think there is really an issue. I, I think that they... You know, like like Ryan said, it, it's better just to, you know, a guy being off TV for a week, like people treat, oh, God, what, you know, has he fallen out of favor? It's fine. I mean, I know it's a three-hour show, but I mean, whatever. I mean, really, like, besides from Joe and Brock, what are the feuds right oh. now? Okay, well, let's talk about this. What is Balor going to do potentially for uh, Great Balls of Fire? Th- there's another guy who right now, um, has an opening next to his name, I think, that certainly would indicate to me that Finn Balor's not falling out of favor. And that person's Roman Reigns. Because who's he working with at this next pay-per-view? And there's a story there with Balor and Reigns, a rubber match. They've wrestled twice. Yep. Both times were on TV. They were both good matches. They each won once. And Finn had his number at Extreme Henry. Rules. Finn had his number at Extreme Rules. Yeah, oh, yeah, and then they were in five way together. Yes, yes, obviously. That just happened, yeah. But I'm talking as far as one-on-one matches go, they've split the pair. What if they do a number one contenders match? Sorry, that's what I'm saying. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. That's what I'm saying is uh, Finn was on his way to winning that five way. And he did the. That's right. Joe jumped in. That's a great point. Yes, he had him beat until Joe came in and choked him from behind. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's complaining about. The WWE has done it again. What a promotion. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one person, other than Reigns, I'd like to see Balor work with. 
is the Miz rather than Dean Ambrose because they're going back again. That feud is continuing. My God, seriously. Well, that segment was good on Monday, though, with the drop, the elbow dropping of the clock. Okay. Yeah, that, that was a good segment. Yeah, I, that, I agree. But that was fantastic because for number one, I loved it because of Miz's Ms.'s paranoia. It took me back to Sting being a, a dumb baby face back in the day when he was getting delivered giant packages and people like Cactus Jack were jumping out and beating him up. Yeah. I, I applaud Miz. And uh, his when the, when the crowd was chanting, you deserve it, and oh, he that threw was that tremendous. back in their face, <laughs> the, the Miz is the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no finer heel. Him and him and Roman Reigns, two top heels in this company. <laughs> Are you guys with me though? Like, you really don't want to see him continuing to work Ambrose, do you? No, not at all. That's why I couldn't. No. That's why I couldn't thoroughly enjoy the match at Extreme Rules until the end when it got interesting. Because well, holy shit, I've seen this match. I don't know how many times now. Yeah, talk yeah, about someone that needs a makeover, Dean Ambrose. Well, I just wouldn't mind seeing him lose to the the Drifter. By the way, and how good is this drifter? I mean, I can't say enough things. This guy, drifter is tremendous. Hit song. Magnet. Did you see my tweet on? Uh, I think that was on the Top Rope Press account about the drifter during the show. I said, uh, Elvis, 1956; the Beatles, 1964; Michael Jackson, 1982; the Drifter, Elias Sampson, 2017. I absolutely love it. That, that got a lot. That got a lot of uh, social interaction. Oh yeah, the, the drifter, <laughs> man. This guy, I, I, and it's working too. It's working. Pete, the, the whole songs Ladies get heat yeah. because no Elias one likes a guy who pulls Sam out an acoustic Sam. guitar. It's a good. <laughs> yeah, like you pass those guys on the street, you hate it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, if the guy's doing it for you know, he's hard as lock. I mean, God bless him, but. Yeah, usually they're not though if they own a guitar. Yeah, the drifter. <laughs> I saw a leaf and I thought of this song. The drifter is just <laughs> unbelievable. So this gets into the fact that Raw is pretty clearly the better show now. My how things have changed. Uh, I think pretty much after is it is WrestleMania kind of our turning point since WrestleMania Raw has been the better show, approximately. Maybe even a little before. I'll tell you what really started SmackDown's downturn. I think we're going to get unanimous agreement here. Is the Orton Wyatt feud? I think yeah. that was when the luster started to leave SmackDown a little bit because of the beginning of the year. I remember when I was doing reviews, I mean, SmackDown was on fire around the turn of the year, and then they sort of just kind of bungled the whole uh, Orton Wyatt Orton turning on Wyatt, and the feud sucked. And, you know, Raw hasn't been a hit every week, certainly during this time. But I, I think for a while now, it's been consistently better. Mm -hmm. Although and it has a three-hour show. Although it has the cruiserweights are on Raw, which is a problem. But to counter that, Raw has Titus brand, which is the best thing going today. Oh, I, I, I'm in on the Titus brand. I re-upped my, re my, uh, my share of the Titus brand before the show. <laughs> what, what <laughs> is, that, is that real shares or is it like? what Green Bay Packers fans buy where they think they actually own the team. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. Like, I think that's why it's so good is because, like, I really don't know what it means. Like, what does the Titus brand even mean? Like, you know, like... <laughs> How amazing would it be if they went all in and, like, actually released a Titus brand t-shirt, but on the website, it, like, it cost $400 to buy. <laughs> you and know someone that, would buy it. Yeah. You know, and you know they, they, you know they reward the writers for pop culture references you're right so with like the uh lavar ball fit you're right they could they should just rip that off a hundred percent and plus let it lead to an entire new faction which is something that kills me about today's wwe or as as to call it the wwf <laughs> is that there is no factions we need we need a strong faction give us titus brand with with uh apollo cruz and uh tozawa how mad would Abby be if Tozawa goes Titus Brand? <laughs> oh, my God. I, don't... Oh I can't wait to see. Like, if they do that angle, I'm going right to her t Twitter page. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, give, give me more factions. That's all I want. I just want some factions. I want Titus Brand to be a thing. Go all in on the pop, pop culture. Why not? <laughs> 
I uh, one thing I will say about Raw is typically I over the last year or so I have not been able to watch the whole three hour show, but the last couple of weeks I have watched the entire thing and been entertained for most of it. So, except for one part, which part? We got to talk about this. Let me go off about this. All right, go ahead. Two, as I like to call it, two hundred five. Oh, yeah, the cruiserweight division. You're reading the last rights. Here we go. This is bad. I put up earlier today the 10 most watched shows. I think we've talked about this before, the 10 most watched shows on the network this week. Not only was 205 Live original content not on it, it hardly cra- it actually did crack the top 20 this week. Some weeks it doesn't, which is bad. But I mean, it's losing to like old pay-per-views, an old episode of the Monday Night Wars, old table for threes. That's bad for like a new original show. And... You know, people are talking about, oh, you know, let, let's you know, zoom Bailey and maybe just totally start over from scratch. Man, I don't know what you can do with these cruiserweights because this is bad. It's, and go ahead. It, it's not the cruiserweights, though. It's the fact that it's filmed after SmackDown. If they filmed it like it was NXT or something, then it would be fine if it was its own thing. But okay. it just feels like an add on to what's already there. Yeah, well, let me clarify. The show 205 Live is actually not terrible when you watch it. it it's, I think, the cruiserweight, in, the, the cruiserweight division in general, I think, is in trouble. It's not just 205 Live. And the problem, I think it goes back to the start of the division. So I know, you know, we're all longtime fans of wrestling. So we can remember the few times junior heavyweight cruiserweight wrestling has worked in this country, right? The big one would be the Nitro era with the cruiserweights. And I know one of Justin's personal favorites, you could talk about, you know, the Pillman Liger series in WCW late 91, early 92. Splooge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Both of those. I don't know how to follow that, but I'll try. <laughs> Definitely Both adding those, a sound effect there. Better right. Both the time of those later. instances, you had transcendent talent. You had Jushin Liger. You had Rey Mysterio, something that was very, very different. There's no Jushin Liger. There's no Rey Mysterio in this crop. And I, I mean, I don't mean these guys, there's some talented guys, but when you look at the heavyweight roster or the main event roster, it's never been com- more comprised of smaller guys in, in WWE history. And a lot of them can do the same moves. Like for a cruiserweight division to work, it has to be above and beyond the best in ring work. And if WWE is not going to do that, not going to commit to sign, you know, the unique talent. And I know that, you know, a couple guys burned them maybe a little bit. I don't know if burned them is the correct term after the Cruiserweight Classic. Zack Sabre Jr. didn't stay. Uh, Kota Bushi didn't stay. Um, and, you know, they kind of wound up with a pretty bland choice as the winner of the Cruiserweight Classic with TJP. But I just think the lack of a transcendent talent, this thing doesn't work, man. I think people just see a bunch of guys that aren't stars, that aren't very unique. and you know, I, I think Neville being a dominant champion is actually a horrible thing because of the way oh, he was typecast before. He, he's not a new signing. He's a guy who was kind of a jobber in the WWE before this division. Uh, he's been know. tremendous, though. Wouldn't he you has agree? been, but it doesn't speak well to the new talent that they're that they get, you know, dominated by him. I think it's a vicious cycle. I, th- I think one of the biggest problems is just overexposure. There's too much content out there. People can't, they just can't keep up with it. There's too much. You got Raw, then you got SmackDown, then you got 205 Live. And even if they were putting on like a, a great product every week, I think they're already working from behind because they can't get people to tune in because they got too much product out there. So I think like that, saying, that is an issue. You're right. But I just think that there's been some good matches on 250, but like when the cruiserweights worked in the night show era, I've made this point. It was so different than the rest of the WCB. And you're probably never going to have, I mean, you could never have a starker contrast in terms of the top of the card and the opening matches than WCW had in 96. You would have like Ultimo Dragon, Ray and Dean Malenko opening the shows. And then you'd have Hogan at the end. Hogan and Piper, 1996. Yeah, Hogan, yeah. yeah. I mean, Starcade 96, you had Dean Malenko and Ultimo Dragon open the show. It was an unbelievable match. And then you had Hogan and Piper in the main event. You can't get more different than that. And it was an old Hogan and an old Piper, obviously. And I think that's another you know thing they're fighting out for behind. Again, 
the main event level guys, they're really talented. What what have we seen from these? And, and you could say, oh, well, you know, they're holding the cruise weights back. They're not letting them do all their stuff. Let's say they let them do all their stuff. Well, what if you don't hold back the main the the main eventers? They can do all that stuff. Roman Reigns can do a fucking plancha. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, that has been one of the biggest problems is is the style restriction on them. It, go ahead, Justin. It's I was gonna say it's the way they're presented, and and part of the problem is because a lot of guys like Seth Rollins can do everything the two hundred five lives are doing, but and he's a bigger star. If they're presented differently, they have the talent. Like I disagree with you on Neville. I think Neville is amazing, and they also have. Oh, like, I'm not saying he's not. They, okay, they got Kalisto. Uh, Pete Dunn weighs 205. They could mix up some of this stuff, but they're trying to get so wide across the world as spreading everything kind of thin. But yeah, but they just started too far. I, I just don't think that the, they don't have transcendent talent. I, I mean, is Rich Swan really one of the 10 most talented guys in the WWE? No. Yeah, no, he's not. But he's talented. He's not top ten. Yeah, and like with Neville, I didn't say that he's not talented. I said the problem is the way he'd been typecast before this cruise. Remember, he was an existing WWE talent before the cruiserweight division started. Mm -hmm. And I, I, my point is, it's not a good sign that a guy who was not pushed as a major star pre cruiserweight division is now dominating the cruiserweight division. And I know Ryan will agree with me that Brian Kendrick was an atrocious choice oh, to be God. the number one contender at first. Yeah. That, that was another issue. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, there's, there, I think the plan is still to start a UK show very mm -hmm. soon. I mean, Jesus, it's going to be pretty hard to get people behind that product, too. As, as good as the UK shows have been, add even more product. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to do any better in 205 Live. Well, if... You got the UK crowd that's going to tune in, obviously. Yes. But. I mean, if you make it UK specific and treat it like a territory, I think it'll work. The problem is I don't think they know what they want. I think they just think that 205 Live could be like this blow away cruiserweight division. It's just not. Well, I think I think you can sum up 205 Live's problems. If you, if you ever read our recaps on Top Row Press, we got a guy named Noah Dalton that does the uh, 205 Live recaps. And almost every week, his closing sentences, well... Nothing much happened on this show. Not worth going out of your way to read or to watch, but you can just read the results kind of thing. Like, uh, nothing really you need to go see on this. And that's like every week. I can't think of any matches that have happened on 205 Live where it was like, I have to look it up and watch it since yeah. I started. I, I, have to, I have to admit here, I, I defend it. I don't think I've ever watched it since the first episode. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Another new <laughs> I wanted to succeed. I wanted to succeed. Well, I, I mean, you know, I want a lot of things in life, but I mean, I'm just looking at the reality. Tazawa and Brian Kendrick was very good two weeks ago. I, I did actually, I'd heard reviews and I actually did make it a point to watch that and it was good. But, um, you know, there's good wrestling on it, but it can't it can't just be good wrestling. It's got to be great, transcendent wrestling. You know what I'm saying? There's no... Who's the Rey Mysterio Jr. right now in the WWE Cruiserweight division? Kalisto. Kalisto in 2017 is not Rey Mysterio Jr. in 1996. He's not. No. no. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Here. Who is Rey Mysterio in the world of wrestling then? Mr. Smarty Pants. Oh, Rick, I love Ricochet. That. Ricochet? I, I would say so. A Ricochet or Will Ospreay? Yeah, probably. Yes. Mm -hmm. It has to be somebody who does things that just no one else can do. Yeah. But everybody can do those things. No. You well, don't then think, you don't think Neville with this? can do just those things? Guys weren't stars. <laughs> I, I think the, the kind of guys that have the matches that like Ricochet and Ospreay, specifically Ricochet, that guy is like a one in a million talent. I think he's doing stuff right now that nobody's doing. Or, or, or you know, it's got it. Or they've got to get two guys who are great dance partners. You know, yeah. like Dragon Lee and Kamatachi. Mm -hmm. You know, like that. They've got to do that. Like two guys who can who just know each other like the back of a hand and can just do a match. Like I, the current crop just isn't gonna. I mean, God bless them. But you know, Rich Swan and Noam Dar had their most interesting match yet in a mixed tag. Tazawa, he's going to the Titus brand. He's seeking greener pastures, man. <laughs> he knows where that. He knows where his, his bread's buttered. 
we'll, we'll have to get Abby back on the show to address that one. Uh, guys, we had like three more things on the agenda here, and we're already out of time. This, this shows you we should have not have skipped the show last week, but schedules got crazy. The NBA finals are going on. Um, I had foot surgery. Yeah. Thanks for all the well wishes, everybody. Kyle's been wounded. Um, so we're going to have to cut it off here. We wanted to get into some other things, but uh, we will for sure be back next week. And maybe we can throw some of these things back in because some of them aren't that timely. We wanted to talk about the average age of the WWE audience that came out this week. We'll get into that next week. Uh, any parting comments, guys, before we sign off here? Justin? Yes. Uh, I, I just want to remind all the kids out there that the earth is 6,000 years old and flat. Climate change is a hoax. And oh, pro geez. wrestling is not predetermined. Hey, Top Rope Nation, bringing you the best pro wrestling Kofifi in the world. Get him out. I don't know who you think our audience is here, Justin. <laughs> Get but, him uh, out of those here. people tuned out the second we started with the Donald Trump jokes uh, several months ago. Get him out of here. <laughs> I just want to say that my favorite part of tonight's of show here. was uh, Justin in a very mocking tone calling you Mr. Smarty Fans. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Oh God! Great I wanted show. to talk. I wanted to talk about Battle Bowl. Is what I wanted to talk oh, about. Battle Bowl. Battle Bowl was, believe it or not, in the early '90s. That was one of my favorite shows. I was in here. The the one that Sting won was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if it was fantastic. I my point was for these three hour raws that we all think are too long. And you know, I reviewed it on Monday, and I thought it was a great show. But even then, it was too long. Like in the third hour, it's like, oh God, I can see why all the people who review the show start souring on it. Battle Bowl would be a great concept for a three-hour Raw. Yeah, they could do that as a special attraction. You know, because it, and for the people that um, aren't familiar with Battle Bowl, if you're younger, what it was, it was a brainchild of Dusty Rhodes. They would just pick Rand, especially with the talented roster they have now. Because back then, WCW's roster wasn't... It was, it was pretty talented, but not as talented as WWE's is today. They just have random tag matches. It's like the Royal Rumble. They just draw two names... Those guys were teammates. Two more names. They do tag team matches. All the winners of the tag team matches would go into a battle royal. And if you did that for like a number one contendership, I think that would be a way to make a Raw unique. And you could do it in three hours. By the way, Firebreaker Chip is insulted by that comment that their roster was thin. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when like in the very first one, they had like Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, I think on opposite teams. Didn't they have, uh, I think it was like the 93 Battle Bowl, maybe? They had uh, Ric Flair's, now his wife, Fifi, was like drawing numbers or something. Only if they can bring her back, yeah. Mrs. Ric Flair, to draw the numbers out of the uh, lottery machine again. Well, yeah, that's right, because Missy Hyatt would have been gone by that point. She was yeah. she drew him the first two. I think it was the 93 Battle Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah. that was, it was just a Battle Bowl pay-per-view. Oh, boy. Yeah. 93 WCW is something I would proceed with caution. <laughs> Except Super Brawl 3. That's now, Speaking show. of old wrestling, next week, let's bring the uh, What Are You Watching yes. of Old School Wrestling segment back. We started that a few weeks ago. We'll do that next week. So, you got uh, Justin, Kyle, you guys got to watch some old school wrestling over the next week. I will as well. We'll talk about it. Uh, speaking of good wrestling, new wrestling, this weekend, by the way, uh, New Japan Dominions happening on Sunday. We'll see if they put the IWGP title on Kenny Omega. If they do, it'll be a big topic of conversation next week on the show, I'm sure. So, uh, with that being said, guys, a lot of title matches on that show. I why does why don't they get criticized? Like because the card is unbelievable. What's that? Because they're having they're having a really good show, really good card, top to bottom. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they do have too many titles, though. I will say. Yeah, Kyle Johnny Johnny New Japan is drinking the juice. We still got to make that shirt. Get your Top Row Nation shirt and Johnny New Japan coming soon. Yeah. All right. iTunes, guys, leave us a review. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you want to win a free T-shirt, pick out the best comment every couple weeks, send you a free T-shirt. Just screenshot it. Uh, send it to at TR Nation Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on TopRowPress.com, Patreon.com slash Nation. See you guys next week. <laughs>